Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way. Love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my my non-narcissistic <laughs> daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian. What is the opposite of of narcissistic? Uh, humble. Humble. Ah, let, let me redo that. Here is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my humble non-narcissistic daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So my humble, non-narcissistic daughter. Yes. Hello, father. Uh, Humble father. (laughs) Humble daughter. God God forbid we are less than humble, right? Right. Narcissistic. No. And you were telling me something about Piaget, the uh, the Swiss uh, learning theorist. I guess he was a psychologist. But you, do you remember what you were telling me the other day? I found it very interesting about children being... Yes. Well, he claimed that children up until the age of eight um, have a really difficult time seeing the world from a, another's perspective. So they kind of, their view of the world is egocentric because mm-hmm. that's the way that children develop. And uh, they have a difficult time interpreting other people's responses or reactions to things because they can only see it from their own lens. Uh, it, uh, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, boy, I know a lot of adults <laughs> that have a hard yeah. time seeing someone else's perspective. That's we'll very get, true. But we'll get into that because that's that's very typical of the uh, egotistical and the narcissist. So, so those well, people, go ahead. They also say, they claim that empathy is actually a skill that needs to be taught. It's not, it, they, they claim that it's not necessarily inherited. It's not part of the human existence. Although in some ways I disagree with that because I think like even babies, sometimes they'll hear another baby cry and then they cry too. Hmm. Like, you, like they, you can feel the emotions of others, people who are sensitive but um, I know through a lot of research I've done, they claim that empathy should be taught in schools because it's not necessarily something that kids will just pick up on, at least not all kids. I think the more sensitive ones likely will just inherently or based on what they see at home. It's interesting. But, yeah. Going along with what you said, it just for some reason it brought to mind something I read recently that children today, young children, when they're asked to draw, a person or others, you know, in their drawings. Do you know what they're coming home with lately? Drawings of, of little faces with without, a, without a mouth or nose. Oh. Isn't it? So it's talking about empathy. Isn't that sad? That is sad. Oh, no, no mouth or nose. Oh. <laughs> yeah. so there was sad. an old uh, test, a, a projective test called the house tree person. And you would, you would interpret the house, the tree, and the person, and the proximity, and the facial expression. But now that's going to have to be revised. Mm. But anyway, we're talking. Yeah, it's about- so interesting. Well, even just the other day, I know I had said this in one of our other podcasts, but I played this game again with the kindergartners, where we were acting out different emotions, and they had to guess how we were feeling. The one kid was acting out excited, and 
little girl was like, I knew you were excited because I could see you smiling. And he was like, you couldn't see me smiling because my smile was covered. And she's like, no, I saw your cheeks. They went up. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess that's how they know. Wow. Your cheeks go up and your eyes get smaller. Yeah, I guess I guess we are, you know, adapting. And boy, I sure hope there aren't any ill effects 10 years, 20 years down the road. But who knows? Hmm. Who knows? Anyway, what are you doing over there? Sorry, I just need to plug my computer and <laughs> I just got a notification that it is dying. Oh no, hold on, give me one second. Oh, oh. oh no. Where, where did you go? Oh no. Are you in another room now? Yeah. <laughs> what just crashed? <laughs> the charger. The charger. Hold on. Hold on. Almost okay. done. Wow. I know the technical setup here is really oh, impressive, so nice, right? So nice to have you back. <laughs> okay, we're all set. All right, let's let's, okay. let's pick up on this egocentric aspect. We all think that you know we're kind of people are you know if you let's say you're learning to dance or something, and you know you kind of feel self conscious and everyone's looking at you, right, and all that kind of stuff. You know that that's a form of you know egocentristic behavior we're, we're kind of the center and everyone's focused on us it was it was ann landers who once remarked that at age 20 we worry about what others think of us and at 40 we don't care what they think about us and at 60 <laughs> we discover they haven't been thinking of us at all i love that <laughs> so there you go that's great yeah so, i'm teaching a middle school group lately and i've been doing a lot of research on that developmental stage and there's this whole complex I forget the name of the complex, but it basically like all middle schoolers or pre-teenagers go through this phase where they believe that they are the center of everyone else's attention and they feel like they're being watched and criticized every little thing that they do, which is part of why they feel the need to uh, impress others. And so, yeah, I think at some point you realize mm -hmm. like, wow, I gave myself a whole lot of power there. Yeah, um, the, the progression from just normal selfishness to ego egoism to narcissism uh it's i always go back to astronomy it's it's copernican in that it's a heliocentric view we are the center of our solar system we are the sun center and some never progress beyond that sun center they are always seeing themselves as the center of the universe and and i think that's what you know what the ann landers remarks that you know we we tend to always feel like we're on stage and we're so important and some people don't progress beyond that some people get mired in that to some extent and i guess we're all somewhat self-conscious and you know we're, we're sensitive to judgment so you know th these are really not unusual tendencies so i guess what i guess what i'm getting at is that to some extent selfishness some egoism is probably par for the course, don't you think? I think so. And I also think the term selfishness can be a little bit dangerous because for some people, they feel as though they, especially in today's society, I think there's this expectation that you give to others. Like that's your job is to be able to be this support for other people all the time and your needs come second. And I think especially the role of a woman, I think that is kind of like in culturally, that's always been sort of like the way the society has been set up. And so I, I think 
people sometimes feel like they're being selfish when they put their own needs first. And that's not the case necessarily. So, but the role of women has changed and is continuing to evolve, right? It's Oh, yeah. I Definitely. But I still think there's this feeling of guilt sometimes where oh. if you take time for yourself or you do something that's not benefiting others, a lot of people I know feel as though, you know, they're that they're being self, they'll call that selfish when really like filling your own needs is not selfish. That's actually yeah, yeah. a way of helping others well, indirectly. Let me ask you, stay, stay with the, the women and cultural uh, aspect. Tell me if you think, if you agree with me, I think that my generation back, the baby boomer, the, you know, the girls that grew up in the fifties, forties, fifties, sixties, probably have to evolve a a different cultural aspect because they've been imprinted with this, as you say, this sense of guilt. Do you think that young girls today don't have that imprint and therefore don't have that same legacy and they're not carrying that baggage of, you know, a woman's place and that kind of thing? Because that was was the past, you know, and that was, you know, this very uh, uh, harsh culture, I think, for a woman to grow up in. Yeah, I think that that's true. I guess also women just by nature are more um, sensitive, like, and that's not true across the board, but I think generally women do feel the emotions of others. Mm-hmm. They tend to feel it more than men um, from, yep. you know, generally speaking. So I think there becomes this just like this inherent responsibility to yep. care for others. It's Carl like a nurturing quality. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist would agree with you. He he uh, stipulated, and of course I may be misquoting, but he he called the the inner feminine the anima, which is the inner feminine in a male, and in a female he postulated the opposite, the animus, the logos, the logic is more the suppressed. So he his contention was that the anima, the sensitive, is more dominant than the animus, the logos. Mm and vice versa for the male. And I think that's all being contested today. I mean, I think that uh, the cultural imprints probably fed into that observation as we're, we're talking about. Make a good podcast if we talk about that one day, but let's let's not diverge too far away from our, our theme today. You know, the, I, I should tell you the name of this podcast because I think it's important. Uh, I should have started out that way. How do you know if you or someone you know might be narcissistic? So that's kind of what we're, we're oh, talking about. Oh, I didn't realize that's what we were talking about. <laughs> that's because okay. you, you were in the other room when, when something that this got disconnected. By. I know. I had to save our virtual lives. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you know we're gonna, let, let's, to, to keep people from feeling like they're hanging, let's, let's talk a little bit about narcissism so we can talk about that extreme and, and not have us feel so threatened by this podcast. Yeah, we've but, got to get focused here. Yeah, you know, in 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 egocentrism, you know, you sometimes and most times you're unable to see someone else's point of view. But in narcissism, you may see that point of view, but you just don't care. You know, narcissists are they take it a step further all the time. They could even get annoyed or enraged when others fail to see things their way. Narcissists can be, you know, they can exploit you. They're kind of leaning towards very easily fall into sociopathic tendencies. But l- let me give you more of the definition of, uh, of narcissism from a psychological standpoint. If you have a narcissistic personality, 
then most of these would be defining you. For example, you would be displaying exaggerated sense of self-importance or grandiosity. They like to brag and tell about their accomplishments, right? Mm. So that's that's a very important distinguishing point. It's it's the self-importance and the grandiosity. If you were to step into a narcissist's mind, you would you would see that they really are the, that heliocentric. They're the, they're the universe, and everyone else just is out there revolving around them. They harbor fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, or beauty. They really think that the song is about them. Remember that song? By, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, You're yourself. so vain. Yeah. They really think that song is about them. They express excessive concern about their status and sense of specialness, right? I am so special. They express excessive concerns about their status and sense of specialness. So that's that's where you know they they come down. They require constant admiration, and they possess a sense of entitlement. This is you know they, they have this regal aspect that this is the king and everyone else is the king's court. Mm. It's hard to mm. it's hard it's hard you know and, and we're going to get into this right now because I really want to drag you into the the millennial aspect of the narcissistic world we tend to be living in right now. And I'll get to that in one second. But I'm wondering, I mentioned the regal aspect, kings, presidents, uh, Hollywood movie stars. I guess you can start to buy into a kind of acquired narcissism that you really are different, right? mm. that you really are better than. You think? I would think so. Yeah. If that's your conditioning. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? If everyone treats you, you know, like you're a god or a goddess, you know, how does your head not get so inflated that you start to think differently about yourself, that you really are entitled, that you mm. really are special, right? Yeah. I, I told you, your, your grandma, my mother, Grandma Mary, she always wished that I never made a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, God bless her. I think so far <laughs> her wish has come true. But, uh, but essentially, she, she had this common sense that money corrupts. And, you know, she didn't mm. want me to become corrupted by such things. And there is a common sense to that it does happen. Right. I was listening to my boyfriend, Eckhart Tolle. Um, he was on a podcast with Oprah. And Oprah was saying, uh, telling a story about the first time she had invited Eckhart Tolle to be on her super soul Sunday or maybe on her book club, whatever it might've been where Oprah was explaining, like typically when she tells authors they've made it, there's just a really excited reaction because they know what it means for their status and their fame. Uh, but Eckhart Tolle, when she told him, he said, oh, that's nice. Like he wasn't phased at all. And, and he was kind of laughing in retrospect because he was saying, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't affect him um, just because he's so aware of how those things aren't important in life. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I'm, it's interesting. You mentioned that because there was a time back when I wrote my first book around 2001 and we had the, the publisher had gotten uh, uh, 10 requests for books from the Oprah show. They wanted to do a show on the book and and it never happened because 9-11 happened and Oprah stopped doing the book talks. But I remember the thinking in my head at that point was that, that this would be a life transition. 
And, and as much as I wanted that to happen, there was trepidation about that. And, and I think it's because of what we're talking about today, you know, I, and what Grandma Mary wanted, you know, but there was a whole bunch of confusion about wanting that to happen and fearing it to happen. Mm. And, and it didn't happen. And there was regret and it was all that kind of stuff. But in the long run, I think it's probably the most important thing in my life that I was never on Oprah. <laughs> that's good then <laughs> thank you i oh, by the way i got it we, we finally got an email today did you know that i don't think i told you someone someone wrote us a question to be addressed in our podcast it was really the impetus why i suggested narcissism today oh let me let me read you the question i want you to answer it's signed confused <laughs> so, so i want you to answer confused and okay. the, the question she writes is I have a friend who constantly talks about herself. She never asks any questions about my life. She doesn't ask how I'm doing or how I'm feeling. She's constantly fixing her hair, looking in mirrors, obsessed with going to the gym. And she's forever telling me about how great she is. She posts seductive, revealing selfies and videos on social media. I don't know why I hang out with her, but I do. Is she just vain? Or is she a narcissist? Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, the we question could, about why agree she on vain. Is interesting. <laughs> yeah, at least vain. <laughs> I can't imagine that friendship is very fulfilling. But do you know anybody like that? I know. So when you were explaining the traits of narcissism, I thought of two people, both men. Yeah, give me their names. First and last <laughs> <Yeah>. names. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. no? I don't think I'm going to do that. Come on. Um, Although I I highly doubt they would be listening to any sort of uh, yeah, personal development so podcast. Yeah, they're they already they developed. probably think this podcast is about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, no, they're they're more like friends of friends. Um, so I, I know of I know of. Go them. ahead, distance yourself from them now. Go ahead. No, I just it's it's just interesting because everybody around that person knows that he is a narcissist. Yeah, um, and, and and that. And he doesn't, right? And he doesn't. Yeah, no. that's 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 very typical. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you know, I my friend was just talking about him the other day, and she was saying how she was trying to leave this social gathering at Christmas or whatever it was, and he wouldn't stop talking about this new business venture that he had. And she said she gave him every social clue. She put on all her jackets. She had her bag, and <laughs> you know, he kept on going on and on and on about this um business venture and she she just said he had no awareness um about anything else but i i thought about that a little bit because in our society also it's hard to be proud of yourself without sounding like you're bragging and i have a problem with that because especially with little kids like I like when they can be proud of themselves and say like, Hey, look what I did. Like this makes me feel special because I put a lot of work into this and I, you know, look how great it turned out. Like I like for people to be able to express their genuine pride in themselves. I think that's important. And unfortunately it's kind of squashed because it's, we're taught that we're supposed to be humble and we're not supposed to be proud. So there's this like weird line between the two. And I always, my answer to the kids when they ask, you know, they'll always say, well, he's bragging about, he got an A on his test and he's bragging or whatever it is. And I always say, mm-hmm. it's only bragging if you're trying to make someone else feel bad when you're talking about it. Applauding, yay. <laughs> what, what, what a great response. 
But if you're just saying it because you're proud of yourself and you're trying to, because I think you do inspire others when you can be proud of yourself. And that's, that's just brilliant. It really is. (laughs) No, seriously, the motive, if you dig deep enough, you know, not just whether you're a kid or an adolescent or an adult, but if you dig deep enough, why are you spewing your accomplishments? Is it, is it really because of self-pride or are you trying to influence how that person sees you. I, I think you're, you're onto something really interesting there. Very good. Lauren. Yeah. And the other thing, when you were talking earlier too, you had mentioned the, the people who go on and on about all their the accomplishments. And the thing I was thinking is, would it be narcissism if they were going on about all the things they did that were wonderful, but then also wanted to hear all of the things you did that were wonderful. Like, does that make someone narcissistic if they're able to listen? Yeah. But see, that's the problem. See with narcissists, they, they typically almost universally lack empathy. Uh, They're just incapable of true empathy. Uh, They see people as objects. They, they just feign caring and concern and they can be quite good at it. You know, it's very, sometimes, you know, you can be really fooled by their uh, this disingenuous uh, posture of, of caring and concern. But it's, you know, it's, you are not important to them. They are only important to themselves. But a good narcissist, one that's successful at being narcissistic and one that climbs social ladders and reaches power status, all this stuff, is a narcissist that is able to play people narcissists don't care what you think about them they don't they they only care in terms of it nurturing their ascension in life to the throne it's crazy and and let's start if i want to switch this over to young millennials now and not just millennials that's that's just blatantly not true this this is now applying to everyone there's a columnist uh sonia sadha who wrote social media is the narcissist's playground through likes, through likes and shares, it re-engineers their social feedback loop towards the superficiality they thrive on, fueling a sense of superiority and rewarding manipulative tendencies. Mm. It's kind of crazy, yeah. right? Uh, what do you think about all this kind of uh, the likes, the shares, the the narcissists? To me, playground? it's exhausting. Like it really, I just. I've kind of disassociated from a lot of it because it's just, it's exhausting. And and people put so much time and energy into it. And, you know, I I don't truly know where the pleasure comes from all of it. And and I think in some ways there are people who use it in a healthy way and they're just sharing, you know, happy memories with friends and family. So there's that, but the, the other end of it is like you were saying, I think it's, it's all, it's it's seeking for validation in, in yeah. ways that are not genuine. <laughs> well, some research says that uh, aged 18 to 34, they found that participants who posted large quantities of photos and selfies, et cetera, showed a 25% increase in narcissism. And specifically those who used Facebook and other platforms that focus on images Uh, actually were more narcissistic, became more narcissistic over time. So it's almost as if, you know, getting sucked into that, that culture of me, look at me and, and just becoming more and more provocative and, you know, just 
creating images. Uh, there's a term for it, the, um, the, oh, the imagined The imaginary audience. audience. Yeah, imaginary that's what audience. I was mentioning earlier with the middle yeah. schoolers who feel like everyone's watching them. So, so with social media, Instagram, et cetera, you're creating this imaginary audience, right? And you judge your own success and worth. So essentially, a good deal of what we're talking about is whether all of this is compensatory to lack of esteem, self-distrust, insecurity, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think as much as it can breed narcissism, I think more than that, it breeds insecurity. Yeah. At least in the younger generations, because I know, you know, kids are, they don't have their phones with them at school, but it's, it's like a constant thing in the back of their mind. Like when I check my phone after school, how many people are going to like the photo I posted this morning? And it, 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 it eats at them. Like they, it, it yeah. defines their self-worth in some way. Yeah. And they call it a vulnerable narcissism, you know, and it's, it manifests itself as self-promoting behavior, such as constant selfies. Have you ever posted selfies? Be honest. No, I never have. I do it all I'm 24, five I don't think times I have a day. Any. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I never forget when I first saw the selfie stick, and and I just there's something just it appalled me. I don't I, when you first saw someone walking around with a selfie stick, looking at themselves. What 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 went through your mind? Well, I've only ever really seen them on in like uh, tourist destinations. Oh, okay. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Could document that you were in a place. No. Mm -hmm. well, people that you know are really looking for that uh you know everyone's gaze being the center of all of that you know they crave it yeah. like a drug i mean really it's it's like a drug if you have low self-esteem and insecurity uh then like a drug you you only feel high when you've just promoted this great selfie or whatever and you look good in it and you you've done abcd performed or whatever they do on those instagram things Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, in order to protect yourself from their unstable sense of self, they need to surround themselves with admirers who will prop them up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if they go unnoticed among all their followers, right? That's what they call their followers. If they're unnoticed, this is like a fate worse than death, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting now because in even in business, a lot of traditional advertising is kind of gone by the wayside and and people are advertising through social media this is like the new way to get to the masses so i would say yeah i, I think it breeds narcissism but it doesn't necessarily define it like I, I think some people are using it for other purposes other than just for like i don't know yeah no, I, I because maybe that's narcissistic well it's narcissistic of you to uh no, you see, now you're being humble. You're realizing that. Uh, Trying to see other perspectives here. There you go. Well, oh. what's the point, though? Like, <laughs> if someone's narcissistic, are we? Are you going to tell them how to change it? Or like, if they're in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic, or oh, are we wow. just shedding light on the fact that big, narcissists big, exist? Big question. Well, there you go. <laughs> First of all, if, if, you are, if, if as a personality disorder, which... We read through those traits before. If you if you have a narcissistic personality disorder, um, very very hard to uh, 
to really reach that person. There's an old adage, you know, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Do you know how many? No. One? Yeah, only one. But the bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I guess if there's a, a narcissist who is has the consciousness of understanding their deficit through vis-a-vis narcissism and really wants to change that, they can work on it. It's possible. It's very possible that someone might end up in a relationship with a narcissist because narcissists Mm -hmm. Um, can be, they often can like manipulate others and actually allow them to believe that they're someone who they're not. Right. You're absolutely right. That, that is probably one of the saddest scenarios because someone can feign caring, as we mentioned before, they can, they can figure out because there's usually oftentimes narcissists can be quite intelligent and they can figure out what the appropriate thing to say and what's the pseudo appropriate empathy to display. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you, you know, so a narcissist can play you. Mm-hmm. And you're right. So you marry a narcissist at your own peril because um, it happens. But, you know, then again, if there is some uh, true desire for the relationship to succeed, a narcissist, particularly if it's based on insecurity, can probably come a long way towards becoming a whole person and not the sole center of the universe, but maybe share that center a bit with their partner. Mm. So let me let Got me read, let me let's do the uh, the self coaching. Um, what the heck am I pep talk, pep but talk. then you have you have to ask me what time it is. Yeah, I'm, well, I, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> and the reason I want to read, I'm so eager to read the podcast because it answers this question. You know what you can do if you are a narcissist and you're considering changing. Okay. Okay. So that being said, Lauren. Yes. On this cold, it is cold and frigid, isn't it? Oh my gosh, we had this blizzard yesterday. I was yeah. just—I was just out throwing salt, and my fingers are still numb. Brutal, brutal. I but have it, not stepped outside in two days, so I'll okay. take your word for it. Good for you. So let me ask you—you you know, considering how cold it is, do you, do you know what time it is? Considering how cold it is—is <laughs> is this a trick question? No. Oh, okay. Uh, it's self. It's self coaching. The famous line from the comic strip Pogo went, "We have seen the enemy, and he is us." If you're at all concerned about being too egotistical, or worse, narcissistic, you can begin to change. Start out by being honest with yourself. Look at your behaviors and ask yourself how your behavior affects other people. Make sure your self-identity isn't overly dependent on receiving attention and accolades from others. Build self-esteem by developing internal standards that allow reward from actual accomplishments. Stop feeling you're on stage and everyone's looking and judging you or hanging on to your next word. You're not that important. And by all means, Practice trying to take another person's point of view instead of assuming that your point of view is embraced by everyone else. Mm. So stop thinking you're so important. Yeah, you know, the thing is that, yeah, and, and especially as you say, in a relationship, you really have to ask 
how you're perceived by a partner who cares. Uh, and I guess for the narcissist, it's very hard to embrace, if not to hear feed, legitimate feedback. I mean, they would much rather gloss over it, dismiss it, argue it. So I guess I guess I would, if I could add to that uh, pep talk, I would say you have to lower your threshold of receiving information and accept that certain things you just can't understand, but they may in fact be true and try to wrestle with those things. You know, like someone that, that just says that, you know, you, you just never understand or try to understand my perspective. You're always bullying me. You're always trying to control things. You even though you may not in your bones, you may not feel that to be true. You have to kind of wrestle with, well, maybe it's true. You know, and that would be a big leap forward for a narcissist to to genuinely question the behavior that other people are feed the feedback other people are giving them, especially people that care. Yeah, I just have to say that I don't think that there would be any narcissist listening to a self improvement podcast. <laughs> so I think that probably <laughs> most people would be thinking about other people in their life. Oh, great, right. So, like, what do you do to get? I know after the whole podcast, we, we've been taking the wrong angle. Well, but what do you do well, if you're if you no, have a narcissist in your life? Okay, but wait a second. The, the title will get us off the hook because I did say in the title, how do you know if you or someone you know? Oh, thank goodness. Okay, good. So there's a lot of people listening to this podcast going through their list of friends. And, hmm, yeah, I've got at least three in mind. And so now now we can figure out. Uh, so, you know, do they display exaggerated sense of self-importance? They harbor fantasies of success, power, brilliance, express concerns, about, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then know. what? Like now, now you can label them a narcissist instead of a jerk. But how does that help us? <laughs> that's, that's great. Oh, you're really witty today. Oh, I'm not really. I'm just trying to understand. Boy, cloistering yourself for two days really helps your podcasting mm. abilities. <laughs> <laughs> Wiz, any other real witty things you'd like to throw out there before we hang it up? No, I got nothing. Oh, that was good though. That this is not going to be a podcast to to you know really entice narcissists. I wonder what we could do to entice narcissists. How about a podcast on why you're so great? The collective you. <laughs> no, no. For any pod, any narcissist that wants to maybe be, in, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll spend the whole podcast saying, yeah, don't listen to anyone else. Yeah, you are <laughs> that cool, honest. And how many likes did you get this week? Hmm, good case. <laughs> You're getting it. And just a little bit more effort, and you'll be there. Yeah, that okay. That might work. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of jerks, I mm. I guess I, the category of jerkdom. I guess when I whenever I hear these Hollywood celebrities spewing their posture and philosophy of life and putting other people down, et cetera, et cetera, it's they really do seem like such jerks. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like they, they they really believe that everyone in the world wants to profit from their profound intellectual kind of interpretation of life. Just yeah, but the unfortunate part with with those with with celebrities is that even if they are narcissists they're being they're being fed by all the people who actually care uh, you know true. that's true that's yeah. true well i'm going to feed you today and tell you 
you are so cool and witty and what a podcaster you've become. I'll tell you, I, it doesn't matter if anyone listens to this podcast because <laughs> it just, it will go, you know, these, these radio waves go on forever into the ethers, you know, and they just travel oh. throughout the universe. So you, you and this podcast and your, and your delivery will be traveling for all eternity and people will be applauding all over the universe. Wow. <laughs> All right, kid. Overwhelming. I'm going to take off. I'm going to go shovel some more snow. Okay. So visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And believe me, we're not jerks about it. And check out what's on our podcast. We've got videos and we've got books and all kinds of good stuff. So until next time, remember that being victimized by your emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join my witty, non-narcissistic daughter, Lauren, and me every week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Yeah.